0: Good morning everybody, this is another edition of the Pastball Show brought to you by JohnPelly.com by St. Albert's Church and School in Jackson, New Jersey by Two Ways, One Passion Food Truck located in Scranton, Pennsylvania. Happy to be with you as always, keeping you up to date going with everything going on in the world of baseball, sports, and unifying America. I think it's pretty easy to continue to talk about the impact of this virus in this country and obviously at some point During this program, I'm going to mention its impact in the world of sports. But today being a day after April 15th, a day that baseball has really done a great job of putting aside to make sure that we remember and think of and understand the impact of one man that really shouldn't have had to go through what he went through to simply play a game of baseball. And it's just hard to imagine in a year of 2020 that it could ever exist that a sport, all sports, society, an entire country can have separate rights for people of different skin color. Now this comes out, and I think the obvious part of it is like, John, you're, you're not talking about... Something that hasn't been mentioned before. Racism as it exists today is evident and is seen. You see bits and pieces of it. But just to imagine how society could have been in 1947 for a man that all he's trying to do is play a game. And that's going to be one of the themes that we're going to get into a couple different times over the course of the show today. Why were people restricted based off of the color of their skin? And like I said, this comes out as a very simple question. But whatever made somebody that has darker skin be so different than somebody that has lighter skin? And when was it that it was made such a big deal? About? I mean, you go back into history, of course... You know, civil war, pre-pre civil war, you know, slavery, and people, and in a lot of cases, African Americans were treated as property as opposed to people. But when it comes to God, and we think of, you know, most of us or a lot of us are religious and accept that there is a God. God never created anybody to be any different. But once again, we have to re-emphasize. Emphasize, sorry about not getting that word out right, the fact that we all are the same. We all are created out of one mold. God has created us all equally. So, April 15th, and obviously Major League Baseball has done a great job. All the players in Major League Baseball will wear number 42 for one day. Hopefully, if there is a baseball season, which I'll touch on in a little bit before the program's over, they'll have a Jackie Robinson day where all the players will wear 42 whether it's next April 15th or hopefully it's sometime before that. But you you think of Jackie Robinson being selected by Branch Rickey, and there was other players that Rickey had signed. And it's one of the things that a lot of people don't know. It wasn't just, hey, he signed Jackie Robinson in 1945, sent him to the minor leagues for the 1946 season to play with the Montreal Royals, and April 15th, 1947, he made his Major League debut. There were other players that were signed. He was signed with a uh, pitcher, I believe the guy's name was Joe Black, and Dan Bankhead, and Roy Campanella, and Don Newcomb were all signed within the same confines, and the reason that this was done was partially because Branch Rickey wanted to right a wrong. He had a catcher by the name of Thomas on his Ohio Wesleyan baseball team that he was a coach of that was restricted and was not allowed to play because he was black. And he ended up talking to a guy in in one of the southern towns that he was in uh, to allow him to stay in his hotel room with him. And he vowed to right the wrong. And at some point he ends up doing it when, you know, he signs Jackie Robinson. But also there's a motive. Branch Rickey is a very good businessman. And he understands that if he taps the market, for African-American players, for black players, which he's in favor of. And there's no doubt that he's in favor of it. There's no doubt that he wants to see integration. But it shouldn't be lost, the fact that from a very important business reason, he thinks that if he taps the market, the other black players and the best black players are going to want to play for him. And if they do that, it gives his team, the Brooklyn Dodgers, an advantage over the other teams. If the black players are coming and just playing for the Dodgers, he's going to have more talented players because there's a lot of really good African-American players in the Negro Leagues. And once again, this gentleman agreement that had existed all the way through 1884, if it's getting lifted, a lot of people are going to look at, hey, who was the first to do it? So Branch Rickey was very ahead of the curve with this. And he did it for a very important business reason. But, you know, I try to jump into the time machine, whether it's the DeLorean, cranking it up to 88 miles an hour, and go back into that time frame and try to understand what it's like to be an American at that time. Because, where, did God just create people differently? Was the human brain that dense of an operating mechanism within somebody's head? To not understand that a human being is a human being. That we don't judge human beings like we're deciphering the difference between a cattle and canine. You know, feline and bird species. A human being is a human being. So apparently, for so many years, God created human beings that didn't have that part of their brain That understood that a human being is a human being. And that God created everybody equal. So this is something that goes on for years upon years. And you talk about what happened in 1884 in Cap Anson. And Moses Fleawood Walker. And I'll get to his name in a second because I don't have it off the top of my head. Hold on. Alright, well day. Thank you. Flea Walker's brother's name was Welday, and he actually wrote a letter, a very intelligent, well-thought-out letter that was asking baseball to judge a person's ability to play, not based off of their skin color, but off of their intelligence and off of their ability to Play a particular game, and like I said, this is Well Day Walker, Fleet Walker, who gets well known. People know Moses Fleetwood Walker because he was the last African American player to play in Major League Baseball before Jackie Robinson. But Well Day Walker writes this letter, basically pleading with Major League Baseball in this country to just judge me off the way I could play, judge me to the way my mind thinks. If I'm not smart enough, intelligent enough to play the game, if I don't understand the rules to the game, then don't let me play. If I don't play well enough, don't let me play. So it's obvious that Well Day Walker in 1884 has more intellect and understanding than your average American at that time. And like I said, God didn't just start creating human beings to be smarter right now than they were before. It's something that's beyond ignorance that doesn't, it's really unable to be understood at this point. Why is it that years ago there was a real distinction that somebody that had darker color skin was a lesser human being than somebody that had lighter color skin? Because you see what happens right now, if somebody were to utter the slightest of a racial slur, they're going to get destroyed, you know, by the the majority and the public. The public's going to go after them. Look at Kyle Larson, a driver for NASCAR, who, for whatever reason, has a brain shortage and, you know, his cerebrum and cerebellum just totally... You know, discombobulated on him, utters a racial slur during a virtual race. I mean, it's not even a real race. He loses his internet connection and he drops, you know, a racial slur. Yet, if you go back 50 years or 60 years or 70 years, it was something that was very common. And there wasn't the backlash that exists right now. So were people just created to be more ignorant then? It shows right now in 2020 where we've come. The fact that that type of behavior is not tolerated. You, know, you think of the owner of the Los Angeles Clippers. You know, when he made you know racial slurs and you know, you know, said some inappropriate things that were caught on camera. It may have been a violation of his rights, but it was still proved through the video that he said what he said. He ends up being pressured to a point where he has to sell his team. He he has to sell the Los Angeles Clippers. Just because he's a racist. So imagine in 1947 all the racist owners that existed in Major League Baseball. If they were all caught on video saying a racial slur in 1990 or 2000 or 2010 or 2020, they'd be forced to sell their team. But the problem was the general public at the time thought it was okay. And that's an indictment on everybody. That's an indictment on anybody who would not stand up for what's right. Like I said, God didn't create people differently now than 60, 70 years ago. God didn't create less ignorance now than they did in 1947 or before. The bottom line is that every person created is created equal. And why do we understand that now? When our parents and our grandparents and our great-grandparents didn't? Were they brought up with less intellect? Were they brought up with more ignorance? The bottom line is it was never okay. And it was not okay as we talk sports on this show. It was not okay for a Major League Baseball to go 60-something years without allowing a darker-skinned player or an African-American player to play on the same field as white players. And this bothers me from many aspects, but also the historian aspect. When I've spent the last three and a half years putting together my top 100 offensive position players to ever play baseball, it's hard to quantify Negro League stats. And listen, you know, the Negro League's museum and Bob Kendrick and the Society of American Baseball Research and everybody that has busted their ass to try the best they can to quantify the stats of Negro League's players has done everything that it possibly can. But it's still hard to compare apples to apples. And it has nothing to do with skin color here. This is an issue of stats in Major League Baseball, which have been kept since 1871, and Negro League stats, which are hard to put up there. First of all, you're not playing in the same amount of games. Second of all, there is question about the competition. So when I'm trying to put together the top 100 offensive players in baseball history, I have to accept a little bit of urban legend. A little bit of, you know, maybe mythical significance when it comes to how good Josh Gibson was. How good... Oscar Charleston, or Cool Papa Bell, or Buck Leonard are. And there's no doubt that they're all-time players. There's no doubt that they belong in baseball's Hall of Fame. But once again, how do you compare Oscar Charleston to Willie Mays and Stan Musial? How do you compare Josh Gibson to Babe Ruth and Henry Aaron? It's hard to do. Up to a certain point, you have to accept what people have written. Hey, Josh Gibson hit the ball farther than anybody they've ever seen. If you put together all the home runs that he ever hit, he hit over 800. Well, that's great. And it's no fault to Josh Gibson. There's just no way to quantify every last bit of it. So once again, as my, my job as a historian has been made a lot harder Because it's hard to quantify the significance of players that didn't have the benefit of having stats kept for them. And that's all because I live in a country that though it's gone a long ways to include more people, to understand that a human being is a human being, that my ancestors, my stupid ancestors, couldn't understand that people that are created by God are all equal. And baseball, yes, you could say Jackie Robinson making the integration into Major League Baseball, put it at the forefront of reform and change and civil rights. But why did it have to take that long? And even from the day that Jackie Robinson stepped foot on the field, the backlash that he had to face and the backlash that Larry Doby had to face should not have happened. Even to the later years when you're talking about Ernie Banks and Henry Aaron and Willie Mays and Frank Robinson. You know, changed the way a lot of these men Hank Aaron won't grant an interview because of the way he was treated. Frank Robinson, till the day he died, wouldn't speak to anybody because of the way he was treated. And it's amazing if you go back in time and you think of a Josh Gibson who sadly died in January of 1947, just three months away from Jackie Robinson making his Major League debut, you know, why, why would he trust anybody that wanted to ask him questions? But once again, you know, we could act like everything's okay now because 2020, a lot of people get it. And you look at a, a Kyle Larson of the world who, you know, is at the very least extremely ignorant to even have that word in his vocabulary. You know, he apologizes. He said he made a a big mistake. Of course he did. Of course that was what he expected to say. It's hard to generate credibility when you go out there and you say a word like that. But once again, you go back 60 years, 70 years, 80 years, and that's a word that a lot of people said, and there was no backlash. So my question is, where were those other people? Where were the ancestors of the Americans that we have right now? Everybody who would be up in arms if somebody went the slightest way to say a slur that was the slightest bit racist. Where were their ancestors in the times when things like this were being uttered all the time and accepted by society? This copyright and broadcast is authorized under internet rights, granted by the World Wide Web and solely for entertainment of our audience. Any publication, reproduction, or other use of the pictures, descriptions, and accounts of this show without the express written consent of the passball show, JohnPielli.com, and JohnPielli LLC is prohibited. Any commercial use of the program, such as by charging admission for its showing, is similarly prohibited. So, play ball. Sounds good. I think a lot of people, especially as we hit the time of year where. In the month of April, moving into May, Memorial Day weekend will eventually come, signify in the beginning of summer. And there's a lot of sports fans, even non-baseball fans, would love to see some sort of sporting event go on right now. And to quote the great Howard Cosell, I am extremely ambivalent when it comes to this topic. Because I think of the safety of everybody right now. I think of the fact that in times of need, we ask the best of the best to step to the forefront and bring their best foot forward. And I believe our our doctors, our medical professionals are doing everything they can. But my question is, where are the scientists? Who is it that's predicting that we can't have a vaccine for another 18 months? The best of the best—the chemists, the scientists, the biologists—should be all putting their best foot forward to try to come up with some sort of cure or vaccine for the, this, you know, disgusting, disgusting virus. If I knew, or you knew, we were making some sort of progress towards a resolution, then I'd say. Let's open up sports tomorrow. But where it looks like it's either very difficult for, like I said, the best of the scientists, the best of the chemists, the best of the biologists to be able to come up with a cure for this virus. I don't see any reason to have any sort of sporting event. Now we talk about essential employees essential workers which are obviously our medical professionals i would say our postal service is essential you know remember it was the postal service that was our original line of communication before the days of phones any sort of official document that you want to send from one person to the other if you're telling people to stay in their house They should be able to mail a letter or a picture to somebody else. So I think the Postal Service, I think of the Postal Service, as essential. Like I said, medical professionals, whether it's doctors, hospitals, uh, obviously EMS workers. Uh, Food service, I'm even to a point where I think if we want to really talk about the essential of the essential, we should curtail what should be open for food service. You want to say, close some convenience stores? You want to say, close some fast food? I think we should close down all restaurants. And it's not because I'm against people having the opportunity to work, but I think it's important to understand the significance of what's happening right now. We have a virus that's running rampant with no conclusion in sight. So if you want to say essential workers, we should limit the amount of people that we consider essential workers. And honestly, take those that are out of work and put them into the fields that are more essential. Put more people working with medical staffs in hospitals, whether it's in quarantine units where we need more help. Go to work. But do what we need. You remember what happened, and there's not a lot of people around that remember December 7th of 1941, but a significant event in American history was the Japanese bombing of Pearl Harbor. And that set shockwaves through the entire country. The United States of America unified and understood that nothing else was important than the defense of the country and the very livelihood that we have as Americans. And it was everybody. Regardless of what their profession was, the percentage of people that enlisted in the United States military following December 7th of 1941 was as high of a percentage as we ever saw because the average American said, you know what? It's time to defend this country. It's time to fight. It's time to join the military and be part of the solution. Why is there not something similar going on in this country during the pandemic right now? We have 17 million or even more people collecting unemployment right now. Instead of collecting unemployment, why don't you get your ass off your couch And call up your local hospital, call up your local supermarket, call up your local post office. And see if you can work for them part time until this is done. Just because your job isn't essential, doesn't mean you shouldn't be working. And now I'm going to talk about how this applies to the world of sports. Sports are driven by many things, but one of the things that drives sports is its unions. Baseball unionized in the late 1970s, and the great Marvin Miller, who will be going into baseball's Hall of Fame this year, absolutely deserved. it. Once again, I, I'm not going to tell story a story a bunch more times, but where I was when, when we found out on MLB Networks broadcast literally being right outside of the you know the camera shoot was just one of the greater moments that I've had covering baseball but to get together a players union means that players are going to have their rights and to have somebody in your corner whether it's a lawyer whether it's an entire union that's backing you means that there's going to be a narrative to make sure that you're getting compensated, that you're getting paid, that you're getting taken care of. And this is the part of sports opening that isn't getting spoken about enough. Are athletes essential? Now, somebody may say yes. And what do I say to a person that says, yes, athletes and sport is essential? You could, like I said, I mentioned mentioned being ambivalent before, what do I talk about the role of sports? It's a sanctuary. It's something to take the average person away from things that they're not happy about, things that may make them depressed, things that may not be going right in their own personal life. And I understand that. And that's part of the reason why I'm ambivalent. But I'm leaning towards the understanding that playing a child's game, pick your sport, whatever your favorite sport is, you know what mine is, is not essential. And it's not life and death. And once again, players that are playing in a game are not going to be practicing what we're trying to practice as a country. You're not going to have players live in a freaking bubble. Players are going to have to stay in hotels. Hotel workers, are you going to quarantine them too? To the hotel? Because it would be nice if you worked at a hotel, you'd have the ability to go see your family. You've got to create something that we're not even really thinking about right now. As I drop the cap of The tea company banner, citrus green tea, which this aspect of the program is brought to you by right now. To me, listen, the fan in me, the fan in you, should want sports to come back. But the fact that medical technology has not advanced to a point where there seems to be a resolution in sight It's making 2020 the year of the quitter. Where they tell you to stay home, they tell you to not leave your house. I'm not ready to make exceptions for professional athletes to go out there and play a game. Number one, if somebody gets sick and all these players get sick, it's just an embarrassment to the entire world of sports. But number two, there's no way to assure that even if 100% of everybody involved on this field and in this moment and in this game is tested and doesn't have this virus, that this virus isn't going to be able to get in. So the last aspect that I wanted to bring up, and I brought this up last show, and I got a positive feedback, but there were people that weren't 100% on board with it. Baseball, and the thought of football, basketball, hockey. No sport should have to think of having any sort of compromise whatsoever to its rules, to its way of play, and the only thing that you can think about compromising may be the length of a given season. Baseball should be playing right now. It's April the 16th. It's impossible at this point, even if it was decided today that there will be baseball games played whenever. It's hard to envision a scenario where you could expect to see 162 games of a baseball season. So if you're shortening the length of a season, I understand that. Anything else to compromise the rules, going from a nine-inning game to a seven-inning game, using robotic umpires to maintain social distance, I don't want to see any of that. And if you have to compromise the rules to the game, not the rules to the season I understand if you're going to bring back sports you may have a shorter season than we were gonna have before I get it you want to change the playoff format that's fine you change the rules of a game I have a problem with and if you're gonna change the rules of a game I suggest we wait a little bit while longer and go back to the point that I made before about whether sports As they are right now, are they essential to what it is that we're trying to do right now? And sports are not essential. Sports are a sanctuary. They may help people. They may keep some people from being as depressed as they are. Maybe give you a psychological boost. But they're not essential. And the last thing I want to see Is my sport whether it's baseball whether your sport is football or basketball or hockey or golf or tennis or cricket or hopscotch I don't want to see the rules of any game compromised because if it is it's not the same game seven inning baseball game is not the same game football game played with 12 minute quarters it's not the same game. A basketball game played at half court or two courts or players sitting in all sections of the stadium it's not the same game. And maybe it's time that we ramp up the pressure on our scientists and our chemists and our biologists and our doctors that are in the medical field to find a friggin' cure, to find a vaccine, and get this damn thing going. Because if you don't, 2020 is going to continue to be the year of the quitter. And you think I'm happy staying at home? You think the millions and millions of Americans are happy staying at home? It's time to start doing something about this. It's up to the scientists and the chemists and the biologists and the doctors. Use God's gifts that were put in your head and find a damn cure and a vaccine for this. Because then, and only then, we'll start talking about the world of sports again. And I have to hear one more stupid idea about what some idiot baseball fan wants to see in some shape or form of a game that I've known and loved, I'm just going to lose it. We're going to have a home run derby determine who the World Series champion is? Imagine who wins the World Series at a home run derby. They should take that friggin' trophy and donate it to charity. Any actual baseball player, coach, manager, executive, or owner That would accept a World Series trophy that was based off of a home run derby. Or was based off of MLB The Show, a freaking video game. If I saw that trophy, I would destroy it. And I'd gladly take the penalty from destroying that trophy. Because it's not the real World Series. A little bit of a recap of the show today. And a big thanks to everybody tuning in. Once again, this is the Passball Show brought to you by JohnPielli.com, by St. Iwish's Church in School in Jackson, New Jersey, by Two Ways, one passion food truck located in Scranton, Pennsylvania. Jackie Robinson Day okay, makes me think, and I, you know, I, I kind of get into this every year. This was really the first year that I kind of let this out, the, the frustration that I have with society and my ancestors. You know, the fact that we have, and I acknowledge the fact that we have come a very long way to where we are right now in society and the fact that we accept everybody for being equal. God created us all equal. God always created us all equal. Not just right now, not just the last 10, 20 years, not just the last 30, 40 years, but the last 100 years, the last 200 years. The same God that created us, created us all equal. So where did our ancestors lose that translation? How come in 1947, Jackie Robinson was the first black baseball player in Major League Baseball in over 60 years? What is it that put the thought in all the white owners... Major League Baseball teams to say that we should have a gentleman's agreement and no blacks should play with whites. And I think this is a conversation that we need to have again. A conversation that, you know, you say, oh, it's just a different time. Why is that a different time? Like I said, was the molecular structure of all the different elements that were put into a body to create a human being different in 1940, and an AR in 2020? Was the ignorance level within the cerebrum and the medulla oblongata and the cerebellum much higher in my parents' generation, in my parents' parents' generation, in my parents' 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 generation? Listen. I could give all credit in the world for getting where we have gotten to right now. But it's making me go back in time and question why people didn't get it before. Play ball. Should we be playing games right now? I think it's a very convoluted question. It's a question that has many different areas And different trails that could be taken over the course of a hike. Are you assuring that all the players that are playing in a game are going to be safe? Are you assuring that all accompanying team personnel are going to be safe? Are we still practicing social distancing? Or are we going to say that social distancing is not essential for professional athletes that are playing? That sounds simple. Obviously, the answer would be, all right, they're going to get some sort of exception. But what gives you any confidence that we're in a better state today than we were yesterday? Once again, it's a call out to the doctors and the scientists and the chemists and the biologists. Figure it out. That's where your profession is. If I knew anything more, I'm sure I'd try to contribute it. And I know all the doctors and professionals that are out there are doing everything they can. But I hate to say it. I hate to say it to all my sports fans. And this is a sports show. I can't reasonably support organized professional sports until I feel like there is a resolution coming to this virus right now. And that might be hard for a lot of people to hear. But the last thing I want to see is any compromised game from what I've known and loved. I don't want an MLB The Show tournament to determine a World Series championship. I don't want a home run derby in neutral sites with space being had between a pitcher and a batter determining a World Series championship. If there's a World Series championship in a ridiculously compromised baseball season or format, I will personally seek to destroy that trophy. Because it's not a World Series. And like I said, this thought of baseball being opened and games being played in neutral sites with no fans sounds good. It's going to be very difficult to manage and put together. Do want to thank everybody for tuning in to the Passball Show. Hopefully, we'll be back with you sometime next week. Hope everybody has a nice weekend. God bless you, and as always, I will see you on the other side.